Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris. I have been coming here to First Christian Church for about 15 years now. Um, and yes, this is second to last Sunday that we will be here. So um, definitely want to thank, thank you all for being here. Thank you for the opportunity to, to be a person who didn't go to Bible college. I know what I know from learning, uh, reading the scripture, from studying, listening to other people. Um, so I'm very humbled to be able to stand up here and talk to you guys um, about what I've learned about God and Jesus and what the Bible has to say. Um, so let's start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the day that we call out and we celebrate, fathers. <clears throat> We celebrate you, Father, and I pray that we celebrate you every day, in every way, for all of the great things that you do for us. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak are truly from you and from your heart, and it's in your great name that I pray, amen. So, we are continuing on with the Sermon on the Mount series. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about learning and studying the Bible is that Jesus didn't write the Sermon on the Mount and say, okay, chapter one, we're going to talk about Beatitudes, chapter two, salt and light. He didn't go through it that way. He started with one piece, and then he built on that, and he built upon that, and he kept building his word as he was going through it. So when you take a look at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, so the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are you when you are insulted. Then Jesus starts talking about the salt and the light. We are to be salt to people. We're supposed to be of good flavor. We're to be the light. We're to really get people to see that we are here and it's about love. And that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. We're called to be love. Then Jesus starts talking about how he is the fulfillment of the law. In Matthew 5, 19 to 20, Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't have a title to earn salvation. You can't be given by any man that salvation. It only comes from God. And you have to set yourself above the people who walked around with these giant robes, with these long tassels, these big, eloquent speeches. You've got to be better than these people. You'd be better by following God's word, and like Jason was talking about last week. Five minutes. Spend five minutes in, in the word to learn what truth is. Next section that Jesus starts talking about, he starts talking, start talking about the Jewish law. And the Jewish law, as we understand it, but it's in the instructions of God, broken down into about three sections. So first you've got ceremonial law. So it's your, that, that's the going and making sacrifices. We don't do that anymore because we have Jesus who died on the cross for us. That was our sacrifice. 
Next after that, you have the moral law. So Ten Commandments. And we are certainly supposed to follow the Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. And the last is the civil law, which we kind of understand as cause and effect. If you do something, this is the punishment for doing the wrong thing. So in the Bible, there's lots of different things, such as you know, you're swinging an axe, the axe comes apart, and you hit somebody, you hurt somebody. Somebody's eye comes out. That's where we get the eye for an eye. It's not supposed to be a vindictive eye for an eye, which is what we hear a lot nowadays, is people talking about getting vengeance for what has happened to them. But no, this was to repay for what has happened. And it's retribution. God's retribution for things that have happened. So in the Sermon on the Mount come verses 5, 21 to 42, Jesus is talking about the moral and he's talking about the civil law. You have heard it said, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery. And he goes into more explaining about that. But he starts talking about something in there. He starts talking about people's hearts. It's not enough not to look at somebody with lust or the lust after things. You have to have it in your heart not to be doing that. Starting in verse 43, Jesus says that you need to start loving your enemies. Starts really bringing in about that love, about how you get past the traditional ceremonial, just, I'm going to take a bull, I'm going to take a dove, and I'm going to sacrifice it because I've done this. Love your enemies. Give from your heart. Pray from your heart. Fast, not like the actors do where you show how horrible it is because you're starving. Build up your treasures because you're doing the things that God is asking you to do. Don't be a hypocrite. And then again last week, Jason talked about not worrying. What can we do by worrying? What does it help us to be worryful, worrisome? So now we're at Matthew 7. So Matthew 7, 6 through 1. And Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with that measure, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So Jesus says, do not judge. And when we think about that, we say, yeah. Who are you to judge me? You're not God. You don't know what I've been through. You can't judge me. Jesus says so. You cannot judge me. So it's Father's Day, so let me use a, an example here of 
how judgment can kind of backfire. Good for all you kids that are still here today. So I was about 12, maybe 13 years old. My mom comes to me and says, where's your dad? I don't know. Probably in the garage. Well, you think he's in the garage? What do you think he's doing? Nothing. So first off, why I thought my dad was doing nothing, I have no idea. Um, my dad is a, he's a good man. He's a hardworking man. And I didn't see what he may have been doing in the garage. But there I was, passing judgment on my dad. He's not doing anything. He's just in the garage. About five minutes later, my dad shows up at my door. So, you're doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. Hmm, is that the case? I'm doing nothing. I'm out in the garage just doing nothing. And I'm like, um, I'm in trouble. I'm about to be in a lot of trouble. So my dad looks at me and he goes, put your shoes on. You're going to come help me with the nothing that I am doing. So I learned humility that day as my dad taught me how to rotate tires. So don't speak on behalf of other people, passing judgment on them and what they are or are not doing. That's not what we are to do, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't pass judgment on other people. If you don't know what's going on, don't say something. You need to know the people. You need to be doing life with people. Passing judgment on somebody like that, it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It's not good for society. But Jesus does say something later on, John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So on one hand, Jesus tells people, don't be judgmental, but we are to be discerning if we are going to tell people what they're doing is wrong. We need to be spending that five minutes learning what the truth is. Romans 16, 17, and 18. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are to the contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving your Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Using discernment to know is what these people are about, is what they are saying, is that good, is it wholesome, is it honoring to God? 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, discernment. Doing life with somebody to know, hey, I see that you're struggling. What's going on? Talk to me. How can I help you? If we sit back and don't rock any boats, are we doing anything for God? That's why you have to know people. You have to learn who people are and what they're doing. And then when it comes time that you have to come to them and say, hey, something's not right here. You're not in alignment with God. Then you can do as Paul says here, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 3. 
it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. So here you have a man who is probably having relations with his stepmom. And you are proud, going on verse 2. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and to have put out of your fellowship the man who is doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who is doing this. Paul made no bones about it when he told the people in Corinth, I have passed judgment. We know Paul was a pretty righteous guy. Paul knows the scripture, and he wasn't calling this person out just because Paul wanted to feel better than this person. Paul's not on social media going, oh, so-and-so. He's not in the back of a room somewhere saying, oh, did you know? Have you heard? I think this. No. Paul knows that we learn the truth when we learn God's word. Professor Jordan Peterson said, the truth isn't someone's judgment. It isn't finger-wagging. Truth needs to be used for the betterment of being. If you're going to use the truth and you're going to try to correct somebody, then you need to make sure that you are trying to better that person. You're not trying to better that person because you're like, oh, if I make this person better, then I have more treasure stored up in heaven. No, you are trying to better the person because you want to make sure that you see them with you as being great in the kingdom of heaven. You're walking up and saying, hey, do you need an accountability partner? Do you need somebody to pray for you? What is it that you actually need? What can I help you with? We're all broken. We all need help. Paul tells us Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I can't stand up here as somebody who says, oh, I'm better than you. Because we all fall short. We all have shortcomings. That sawdust that, he's, that Jesus is speaking about, sawdust is so, so small, you can't really pick out a piece of sawdust. It all kind of groups together. I've been doing a lot of home renovation stuff since we're getting ready to move. And so I'm nearsighted. Part of the reason why I wear glasses. So I'm cutting this board, but I can't see the line. So I remove my glasses, I move my glasses so that I can get this cut. I get sawdust in my eye. And so I know that that little thing that's spinning around with the teeth on it that, that's cutting the board, I got to get that thing away from me so that I can go get my eyes washed out so I don't do any other damage. Such a small little thing. That's what Jesus is talking about our sin. Our sin to everybody else may look huge. They can see us walking around in, in the dark and we're blinking and we're, we're scrounging for water to wash our face out. And we can call that out in everybody else. But it's kind of like that Three Stooges scene where they're all handymen and the guy's walking around with the two-by-four smacking people in the head. That's us calling other people out on our sin, on their sin, but we have sin of our own. We need to get that two-by-four down. Jesus gets to the point where he's ending this section of the sermon, driving this point home. 
when he starts talking again about, um, about dogs and about the pigs. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You give a dog something, what does he do? Take it outside, chew on it. You don't put something away. Dog will take it, chew on it, destroy it. Pigs? Pigs will eat anything. And there's a whole other sermon that can be that can be given about how much God does not like pigs. So Jesus is here telling you, don't give what's good. What's good is your salvation. What's good is God's blessing. That's what's good. Don't turn around and throw that away. Don't give it to be eaten, trampled on, turned on you. Take a look at what's going on in your life and other people's lives and try to be love. Try to be truth in love. If you need help with that, ask people. Pray about it. The power of prayer is so, so important. My dad, I'm very blessed to still have my dad around, and I know a lot of people don't. So my dad has taught me a lot of different things. One thing that my dad has told me, instilled in me, he said, you know, depending on where you stand on something is where you're sitting. I want to sit next to God. So I want to stand on his truth. I want to stand on his word. I want to do what's right and righteous in his eyes. If you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, come talk to me, come talk to the elders, come talk to the band members. We may not have the answers, but we can help you find them. We want you to know that while we all have problems, we all are here to love one another. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Father's Day. May every day, may we be thankful for having you as our Father. May everything we do be a blessing to you. May all of our hearts be in the way that you want them to be. Father, as we go forth and finish our sermon and our, our prayer today, may we be in your heart, in your mind. Amen.